1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com.
2: And welcome into to Purple Daily. It's Zolgad, Declan Goff, producing and co-hosting. No Mackie today, but I'm going to tell you this right now. Who needs Mackie? We've got Daniel Jeremiah, NFL.com <laughs> and network. You can listen to his uh, Move the Sticks podcast with Bucky Brooks and also find him on Twitter. It's a, a good, enjoyable follow on Twitter. At Move the Sticks, all one word. Appreciate the time, sir. Hope all is well. Uh, and I'm going to start you with this one. Um... How hectic, especially from a quarterback standpoint, are the coming months going to be? Because this we we are not even to the beginning of the March league year yet. And, and this is already chaotic,
3: hectic. And as a football fan, I absolutely am in love with this. This is great. I, I I'm with you. I, I love it. I was uh I was kind of in that refresh mode where I was talking to people on kind of a lot of different sides of the, the Eagles Colts thing. And every night I would have a phone conversation. It would be like, yeah, that's going to happen tomorrow. And I would go through the next day and nothing. And then the next day, yeah, it's going to happen tomorrow. Just kept waiting. And finally this thing happened. And then when you're, you know, you're calling around buddies around the league and you start realizing the teams that are in search of quarterbacks and you're talking about playoff teams. Like, you know, the Bears were a playoff team last year looking for a quarterback. Uh, you, you look at uh, San Francisco is not far removed from a Super Bowl. They could be in the market for a quarterback. Washington was a playoff team last year. They're in the market for a quarterback. Uh, you know, Denver, there, there's and there's an urgency to it. It doesn't feel like, hey, we'll see what we can get. If You know, maybe if a guy falls to us in the draft, we'll take him. Uh, this seems like, no, nah, these teams are really trying to be aggressive to upgrade that position.
2: Which leads to here, then, and and to be clear folks i i am not telling you that kirk cousins is going to be traded but what do you think the the amount of calls that are at least coming into the vikings and rick spielman asking about kirk are because i don't i don't think people from a standpoint of of what transpires i don't think they fully grasp how many calls and and feelers are potentially put out there so, when it comes to Cousins, what do you think the talk is like, at least with teams broaching the subject of would you trade him? What would it take to get him?
3: Well, it, I don't know how many teams there would be. Obviously, everybody knows about Kyle Shanahan's love for Kirk Cousins. Like, that's out there. So, that would be one I'm sure that at least they'd have a conversation at some point in time to see if that was a, re- a remote possibility. But. The two teams, ironically, that would make the most sense if you didn't have if you had amnesia, would be would be the Bears, not trading him in the division, so that's not happening, and it would be Washington, where he came from, so that's not happening. So those are the two teams that actually make the most sense in terms of a fit, but because of history and being in the same division, that's not going to go down. So you know, I think you could look at Carolina, Denver, you know, potentially as spots there. But if I'm going to guess right now I'm going to say Kirk's not going anywhere. Um uh, and they're going to go try and get him some help here in the off season.
2: So when when this all gets done, how how many big name quarterbacks do you expect to move?
3: Well, I you know, to me there's like there's the Watson factor, which is the linchpin in this whole thing. Yes. If Watson gets traded, then you have major dominoes because if Watson is available it's not just we don't have a quarterback let's go get Deshaun Watson it's he's better than our quarterback so we're going to ditch our quarterback to go get him which then makes your quarterback available and then as you get you know on and on you go you see the dominoes start to fall yep. if Watson doesn't get moved if they play chicken and and Houston does not budge I think maybe, you know, you're, you're going to see Sam Darnold potentially uh, get moved. And I, I think, you know, maybe a couple more, but that, I don't think we see the massive dominoes we would. If if Watson happens, then buckle up. It's going to be wild. <laughs>
1: Daniel, I know uh, on your latest mock, you had uh, the Vikings actually drafting wide receiver Devontae Smith at 14. Now, I believe some people have him as possibly the first wide receiver off the board, but I got to imagine that'd be a no-brainer at 14. If Smith is available, the Vikings would have to pounce,
3: right? Yeah, I, I love this by the way too when uh everybody wants their team to have elite players. Right. But then we get to draft season and it's like, no, no no no, we if we don't get a left guard, then we can't play next week. And it's like, so true. dude, you're not going to take you're not going to pass up a great player in another position. That's not how this whole thing works, man. When you get a great player, you take them. Mm-hmm. Um don't make that mistake. So, to me and this is kind of a different scenarios you run through, I know everybody says, and I kind of joked on Twitter because everybody's like, there's no way he gets out of time. I said, I know last year you guys told me the same thing about Jerry Judy. I hear the same thing about these receivers every year. You say there's no chance they're going to get – they fall because there's a million of them. Uh, so if you are in a situation where you're the Vikings – yeah, you could look on, on the you know at the line of scrimmage on both sides where you could use some upgrades, but man, that would be that would be hard to pass that one up to pair him up with Jefferson. Oh. Obviously, let those guys grow up together, and you still got Thielen in the mix for a while too. So uh, it'd be a lot of fun in a league that's trending towards offense um, and being able to chuck it all over the place. That'd be fun to watch. So
2: if they took Smith and now you've got um, Justin Jefferson, you've got Smith, Thielen, Dalvin Cook. How much would would Zim have to rearrange his thought process as far as I love to run every time possible? Because I got to imagine if, if you turned Kirk loose potentially, right? With a yeah. half with, with, you know, let's just say a halfway decent line and that receiving core, it could be a potential nightmare for opposing defenses.
3: Yeah, and I think the way I look at that is not, okay, how much are we going to run? How much are we going to throw? Because you've got a heck of an option lined up behind you, in Dalvin, and you've got all these options out there. To me, it's not really your decision. It's a defense's decision. It's a box count, man. Like whatever, whatever look you're going to give us, you want to give us this look this week, you're going to be light in the box and Dalvin Cook's going to rush for 200 yards. You want to try and slow down Dalvin Cook, we're going to have games where we throw for 400 yards. I think it gives you the ability to be nimble and to kind of play whatever style of game you need to play. And I think we just came off a Super Bowl where you saw a team lose a title out of just pure stubbornness. You know, they're going to play two high safeties, run the dang football. And I think that could be kind of a nice marriage with Zimmer's desire to run the football, but then also having it, okay, you want to try and slow that down? We We can definitely put this thing up in the air.
2: And that, but that that's this sport too. I mean, stubbornness. It, it's incredible how how many people in the sport won't adjust or won't look at yeah. personnel. Right? I, I just find it to be because the smart guys do. I mean, they definitely do. They adjust. Look at the Patriots. They, look at the yeah. Patriots
3: for the last twenty years. It, you know, with Tom Brady. Exactly right. Not this last no, but year. I mean, that's what they did.
2: You're right. And and the Patriots went into every game with the philosophy of what doesn't our opponent do well? We'll exploit that where, you know, it's no, we're a West Coast team. We don't care. Why do you think there remains a stubbornness in a game where where adjusting is absolutely crucial to survival?
3: Well, I I think there's a part of it yeah you have to adjust to be able to survive but there's also a belief that we're going to do what we do well it's got us to this point and and be us right how many times have you heard that when the guys are putting their hands up together in the circle before the game hey be us just do what we do and we're going to win the game it's it sounds great right but there's times when the the other team's going to dictate that you can't be us you've got to do something a little bit different because you've got to adjust on the fly and i think Uh, that's what's hard because, you know, sticking to your guns and what you've done well can get you far. But to me, if you're going to get ultimately where you want to go, being nimble, being flexible, being able to adjust has been a a key part of that.
1: Daniel, with with the Vikings not having that second round pick from basically renting unique Ngakwe for six weeks, uh, does it make sense probably for them to maybe trade back? and get that second pick back, and that way maybe you're not reaching for a guard at 14? Is, is there a scenario where the Vikings probably do end up maybe trading back in the first round a few spots to get more capital on day two or three?
3: Yeah, I think that's I think that's entirely possible. Yeah, especially if you've got a, a couple options there, you feel good about to be able to slide back, and and if you're not going to recoup a two, being able to maybe get another three, um, just giving yourself again some some flexibility to move around a little bit. Um, I'm fascinated to see on these tradebacks though, because I think a lot of a lot of teams I've talked to have been really really interested in trying to collect 22 picks. Uh, for a couple reasons. Number one, it's more of a it'll have more of a normal year um, from a scouting standpoint. But also they're they're kind of lottery tickets. You know, you make that you make that trade. And, and instead of what you think might be a back end to, you know, we see it every year. Sometimes those teams we're expecting to be playoff teams, you know, have a terrible year. So now it's a little bit of a gamble, but maybe that's a high to next year. Um, so uh, I think you're going to see in some of these tradebacks where teams are, uh, you know, sliding down the board. the the reward might not be in this draft. It might be in the next one.
2: In your mind, where are the Vikings right now as far as a competitive um, opportunity? And do you watch this team and think to yourself that if they improve that defense, that Kirk Cousins can win a Super Bowl potentially? Or do you think that they're still a little ways away from being competitive, not for a playoff spot, because I think they are for that, but for a, a potential championship?
3: Yeah, I mean, I was big on them coming into the year. So I think I picked them to win the division last year. It didn't go the way they wanted. And you can't foresee you know, what's going to happen, who's not going to be available for them. So yeah. um, they've got to get their horses back, keep them healthy on defense, continue to upgrade on that side of the ball, and really kind of hope that these young guys, especially in the secondary, you're going to continue to see the growth there. And as that happens, and I think if in this offseason, you, know, you can address the offensive line a little bit, continue to invest there, now I, I can I can see this being a championship caliber team because I do believe in Zimmer I believe in kind of the culture that they've built there, um, but again you got to stay healthy, adding adding you know can't have enough pass rushers to so continue to add there and and really just kind of a line of scrimmage off season.
2: How good do your guards need to be to be successful? Because you know their left guard Dozier was a a mess uh but mm. like how good do those guards need to be just to be a playoff competitive team do you think
3: well I I, I kind of just go who's your you know you, you can't have a weak weak link right so how strong is your five collectively um and so I'm not saying you have to have we, we used to have this debate all the time when I was in Baltimore we would talk about it because we had Jonathan Ogden as our left tackle um it was time to pay him Just remember the discussions in the building about okay is it better to have you know you know, a great player at this position and maybe a couple goods and we have to carry a couple bads? Or would you be better off having five goods, no greats, no bads? You know what I mean? Like the, those are the kind of the discussions that go around the right. around the league. Yeah. To me, obviously you try and finesse. we weren't going to, Jonathan Ogden wasn't going anywhere, so he was always going to be there. But the goal is always to not have that one week link because you'll see it every week. Even if, if it's at a guard, you say, well, he's got neighbors on both sides. We can kind of hide him. Nah, they can, they can attack him. They can spread out. They can fan out, uh, with their rush package and isolate him a little bit. And it can be a long day if you've got a, a terrible player inside. So that's what I'm saying. I don't say you have to have Hall of Fame guards. I'm just saying you can't have a, a as we like to say, a Waldo out there that everybody knows where he is <laughs> and, and they're going to go get him.
1: Dan, I believe it was your colleague, Bucky Brooks. Uh, he did a three-round mock, and he had Kyle Trask mocked the Vikings as a day-two pick. I, is he someone that you mostly do see as a project quarterback? And would he make sense for the Vikings possibly to snag uh, as, as a day-two selection?
3: Yeah, you know, Trask is interesting because played great this year. You know, accurate, efficient, tough but it is kind of a 90s quarterback, right? I mean, he's just, he's not real mobile, doesn't move. And I, I haven't talked to a team that's, you know, playing a veteran quarterback that's looking for the next guy that hasn't mentioned the fact, you know, hopefully we get a little more mobile, you know, with our next one. I, I call the Charger games have for three years. And the thought was, you know, as, as great as Rivers is, when it's time to move on from Phillip Rivers, man, we want somebody that can move around a little bit. So then maybe we don't have to be perfect up front along the offensive line. This guy can get away from some of that stuff. And I think Kyle's going uh, to be dinged a little bit for that. It's going to cause him to slip a little bit because he's not going to be able to make you right when you get beat up front.
2: How tough has it become now, to go back to, to what you just said too, how difficult is it for um, executives to identify that, position and guy, because I mean the variables just grow right as far as can yeah. he run can he throw he's got to be this he's got to be that how tough has the game of finding a quarterback become and and the pressure that goes along with either if you hit that pick or you miss which can obviously get you fired
3: yeah you know it's funny I was thinking, I looked this up the other day I think if you go back to the last 11 drafts um I think it was eight to three. I think there was, if you were to say in hindsight, who was the best quarterback in that draft after it's all been said and done eight of the 11 years, it was not the guy that was the first pick. Um, it was somebody after that that ended up being the best guy. So that uh, there in itself tells you how difficult it is to try and identify these guys. And then also speaks to the, you know, the situation and the climate in which you put him um, you know is is going to be a big determining factor of whether or not these guys are going to be successful. So it's never been more difficult. There's never been less patience. Um and and you see it right now. I think somebody threw that up the other day, right? There you know, there's nobody between the draft classes of Stafford um and and Goff and Wentz, I think, right? There's no quarterback that was drafted during that time that's still with his original team. That's crazy. It's
2: remarkable. It's absolutely. Yes. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, but I, I just can't – the pressure to find that spot now has to be so high. Yeah. And, and, and I, I don't know if scouting, how much that can help, unless it's just a generational-type talent. Um, but when you look at around the league, how difficult that's become and how the position is just changing. And, that you know, if you go into a draft saying, who's the next Wilson Mahomes? Yeah. Like, think about what you're asking. It's da- <laughs> It's damn near impossible.
3: Yeah. Uh, and, and the crazy thing is that I think it's been heightened for a couple of reasons, because if you look at this, if you look at Tom Brady, right, it's, he's screwing it up for everybody because you look at it and you're like, this guy's 43 years old. So, you know, people were asking, him, how much do we give up for Watson? I'm like, he's 25 years old. We just watched a 43 year old win the Super Bowl. This is a if this is an acquisition that can impact your franchise for the next twelve to fifteen years. Yes, not like one, two, three years. That's why I was like people like you can't give up four ones. That's way too much. I'm Like he's gonna be your quarterback for the next twelve to fifteen years. Yeah, you can't overpay uh, if you're gonna get a top five player for the next fifteen years at that position. That's insane. So there's that side of it, and then the other side of it with Brady is you had a team that was just what seven and nine with Jameis Winston. Yeah, they make a they make a switch. They go win the whole dang thing. So, you know, I think teams are saying, well, we can win with this guy. We could win some games with it. Maybe be a playoff team with this guy. That's not bad, right? We maybe go on a little run, get the playoffs every year. And now it's ownership's going, no, 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 no. I I need somebody that can win me a Super Bowl. So even if you've got a nine or 10, one quarterback, that's not good enough. I I want, I want more. And that's why it's, I think you're seeing so much uh, turnover at the position.
2: And that's where things I think have changed. I I think, 5 to 10 years back the question was can we make the playoffs and then if we make the playoffs can we make a run right i yeah. think now what you just said is 1000% right i think the people that run teams now sit down and don't ask about the playoffs i think yeah. they ask how can we win a championship and that that takes the pressure to do something else so
3: oh it's it's a totally different it's a totally different mindset i mean i i was uh, talking with bucky brooks on our podcast the other day and i said it's like you know the Atlanta Braves, right? They think they won one one World Series during all those years, they but did. they won like ten division titles. It was like, man, what a great team! Like not today. Today's like, oh, what a disappointment. They only won one World Series. Watson three first round picks. Oh, they Do get three all day. Yeah, all day they would get three. I, I made this comment the other day about the the Raiders, right? Yep. I said, okay, let me. I'll say something, and people will laugh at me. Five first round picks, and they go. Five first round picks. That's insane. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I go, okay, well, let's, that's just you hearing five first round picks. Let's put names to it. Let's look at the last five first round picks for the Raiders and let's go through them. And you start coming up with Cleveland Farrell. Josh Jacobs is a good player, but he's a running back. You got Jonathan Abram. Uh, you've got, uh, uh the, the corner from Ohio State, uh, Arnett. You've got, and the last one is, who am I? Oh, Henry Ruggs. You try and tell me those five guys, you wouldn't trade those five guys for Deshaun Watson. You would do it in a nanosecond.
2: And as you said, and you're exactly right, we're talking 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Like we're talking about multiple opportunities to win championships. I'm with you. And I think that this is going to be great fun. And and I welcome, I welcome the amount of speculation and quarterback moves. (laughs) So thanks (laughs) much, sir. Great stuff. Appreciate
3: the time. Uh I appreciate you guys. Stay warm. Yeah, yeah. we'll will try. Yeah, we'll we'll lose, but we'll try. My, let me show you guys my snow boots real quick. Hold oh yeah, of yeah, course. Let's yeah, see. Them. Here's my snow there boots that I've been
1: wearing. Yeah, yeah. We, oh yeah. I, I think Thanks. we're getting up to oh. What, we got 39 degrees on Sunday. I'm busting out some shorts. It was 11.
2: It was 11 today, and I'm not joking, guys. It felt really warm to me. <laughs> that's that's how, <laughs> how messed up the human body can become when it's been like 15 <laughs> below. Okay. So enjoy uh, your, you, enjoy your snow boots. Uh, See you, boys. Take care. Thanks, Daniel. Great stuff there. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: Golf,
3: USA. golf USA's golf show sale is going on right now.
2: Ten thousand golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. Used equipment fifty percent off. Golf USA has brought their amazing golf show deals back to the store
3: for the biggest sale of the year.
2: Inventory is limited, so get in early for the best selection. Over ten thousand golf items discounted to the best prices of the year. All used equipment fifty percent off. Don't miss out. Head out right now to Golf USA's golf show sale. Golf USA in Eden Prairie at the corner of Prairie Center and Flying Cloud Drive. Right, Let's drive. react to what he said Yeah. Okay, first of all I love his Deshaun Watson takes Like this is what I don't think And I don't, this comes off as so Potentially condescending Declan, and it's not um, I don't think people Understand the conversations That go on, and I don't Think they understand, like Five first round picks, just on the Surface, and Jeremiah's Right, if you say that, it sounds absolutely Crazy I mean, it sounds stupid, okay? But five first-round picks, 1,000% would be discussed by any team, and I'm not talking fantasy teams. I'm talking real live NFL teams, okay, would be discussed as a reasonable, let's talk about it. Now, let's try and get them down from five. Let's probably try to get them to four, ideally probably three. But the point is people overreact to you can't do that because they've been conditioned by what teams say publicly. Like, the Vikings are never going to come out and tell Joe Schmidt or Chris Long, hey, we were talking today about five first-round picks. What do you guys think? Like, they're, they're going to downplay that and, and publicly never acknowledge it. But Dan's a guy that worked for multiple teams as a scout. Yep. He, he has been, he's been in those rooms before where discussions take place. And I'm telling you right now, especially in 2021, where the pressure to find a quarterback has never been this intense. And the expectation of your team is no longer playoffs. Like, that's the thing where I think it's probably changed since, since Spielman got the job in replacing Fran Foley in May of 2006. Mm-hmm. You know, when Spielman got the job, the Wilfs had bought the team in 2005. And I think very much there was a discussion about how can we be super competitive for a long period of time and make the playoffs. And I think those were the discussions for a long time. But those discussions now have 1,000% morphed around the league into how can we find that quarterback? Because if we can, we can win a Super Bowl. And that's the difference. So I just want to urge people, we we need to rethink how we observe things from what we're told publicly by teams who are going to do nothing but sports lie. Again, it's sports lie. I don't care. It's fine. It's not like some moral obligation, but they're sports lie. Yeah. But we need to rethink how we process what they say with what really takes place. And what really takes place is discussions that include, if I get a call about Kirk Cousins, I'm going to listen to it. And if I if if Deshaun Watson becomes available, which he is right now, I'm not going to just say, oh, we can never get him. I'm going to find out. It doesn't mean it's going to ever leak out, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to make a trade. But it does mean that everything Daniel just pointed out is 1,000% correct. And this is a guy who's worked internally for teams, and he knows how this works.
1: Yeah, he's, he exa- he proves our first off proves a lot of our the points we've been trying to make over the last few weeks. Number one, on the whole, you have to find a guard. You have to get a guard, get a guard, get a guard, get a guard. Well, if Devonte Smith is available, you have to take it. You have to take it. You you do, you can't not pass off pass up a possibility as a generational wide receiver over the best guard. When it's all said and done, people aren't going to remember the best guard. They're going to remember the best wide receiver. It's hard. I mean, or, just, it's, or
2: the best player, or the best. Like players. you're just flat out right. right. Like best best if that's available. a great, like if that's a great guard. Then you take the guard. Part two. If that's a Hall of Fame guard.
1: I really enjoyed his his analogy. That all right, five first round picks. Yeah, that does sound steep. But go back and look at any team's last three first round picks. Maybe odds are one of those guys was a solid pick. But most likely, the majority of them, if you were talking three to four first round picks, yep, probably over fifty percent of them flopped or weren't worth keeping around long term for a second contract. So. I think that's a fascinating way to look at it because it it's one thing to say, Well, I'm trading away something that could bring me something down the road while well, at the same time. It's just like the argument I get with in with Twins fans, well you can't hoard prospects and then ask for trades and then try to fleece them with your tenth best prospect. You have to
2: spend to give. But that's how fans think. But that's how fans think. But they don't they also they also fall in love with players or with what the team is doing. And they don't get that teams constantly question themselves. Yeah. Like teams are always saying What can we do better? What did we just do wrong? I mean, unless you win a Super Bowl, a football team does not. Well, the players do. Unless you win a Super Bowl, the people that run the football team, i.e. the Vikings, Declan, they do not celebrate those wins. What they immediately do is sweat what they did wrong. I mean, Mondays are called a day for corrections for a reason. And corrections are run after you win or lose. Like, you don't go back and watch all of the great plays and say, well, we didn't make mistakes, right? You're constantly looking for your mistakes and the correction to those. And more importantly, you're constantly trying to observe what can improve your roster. Um, so I've got I've got a Vikings draft history lesson quickly here okay. that also backs up what we're talking about. All right? All right. Uh, 1990, was it 4 or 5? Um, the day of the draft, and at that time, of course, there was no... Um, Google and and and, you know, rapid reports to come out on the Internet. Uh, But I believe the New York Times in their print edition that day, the it was a Saturday draft and the Times had a story that I believe Warren Sapp had failed a marijuana drug test at the Combine. Okay, right. And so this comes out and it scares teams like teams are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay. so uh, the Vikings are drafting like, I don't know, 12th to 14. And at that point in time, Warren Sapp is free falling. And he is, you know, again, one of the, if not the best player in that draft, but certainly one of of them, a future Hall of Fame player. And the Vikings pass. And they take a defensive end, uh, Derek Alexander, who had a brief career with them. And I believe the next pick is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they take Sapp. And the rest is history. Sapp goes on to a fantastic career. Okay. So now we get to 98. And this is where we've learned some things. All right. We get to 98. And Randy Moss, same thing free-falling through this draft, and he gets into the 20s. And this time, partially because he was a dynamic offensive player, but also I think because of SAP, Danny Green and the Vikings said, we're not going to make the same mistake twice. Like this is a generationally potential, a generational player. He's dropped to us. We are taking him. I don't care that we have Jake Reed. I don't care that we have Chris Carter. I don't care who we have. We're taking him. Okay. That was an example of a draft that surprised us. It did not fill a need to what you're saying, Dex. It did right. not fill an immediate, oh, my God, the Vikings have to get a guard, right? It it basically gave you a surplus of, of potential star players or very good players, in the case of Jake Reed, at that position, and guess what? It worked out pretty damn well, right? Exactly. Now, now let's fast forward to a couple of years ago, where, again, and you know what? I'm guilty, too. So are you probably. So is Phil. Uh, so this is not to absolve us. This is things we have learned from. Not things that we can come back and say, we were right and you were wrong. But let's go to the Garrett Bradbury draft, okay? Because more and more he's looking like he's probably a bust. Yeah. He is not not he is now not even the best center from his draft, all right? Yep. Uh but the Vikings felt what? Immense pressure to take a center. They needed offensive line help. I.e., to me, much like guard help, right? Gotta have a guard. Uh, Garrett Bradbury is proving to potentially be a flop. I think he can run block, but I don't think he can pass protect. And that's going to be a mammoth problem. And that certainly means he was not a first-round pick. If you could go back and redo that draft, I guarantee you, you are not going to take Garrett Bradbury a second time. And that's where, if, if Daniel Jeremiah is right and Devontae Smith gets to you, you have to take him. You have to. And you know what? It might hurt you a little bit in 2021, but if we're talking about a third receiver that you can pair for the long term with Justin Jefferson on now controllable contracts, because the, the, you know, the Moss draft, uh, the SAP draft was back in the day where you just agreed to a contract and there are no parameters put on it, but now there are. And if you're a first round pick, it's basically a five year guarantee. That's why you have to take the best player. Yep. And you're right. You can't say, but you're passing on a guard unless you think that guard is a Hall of Fame guard, which it sounds like there are no Hall of Fame guards in this draft.
1: Exactly. So it's all, look, revisionist history is really easy to do, especially with drafting and all sports. But I would rather them take the best player available or a player that's going to make a dynamic change. And he points out too that, if there's one weak link on the guards, on your line, excuse me, they're just going to they're gonna exploit that. So, yeah, Dakota Dozier was unplayable. Yep. Awful bad. Kind of like goaltending last year at the Wild. Like, I don't think it can get any worse. It's only going to get better. It might be a step better, but is that step better even league average? Is that step better going to be above league average? And can
2: I find that somewhere else?
1: Right. So, I, I just don't want them to get in the habit of reaching for someone, obviously, like Garrett Bradbury. You know the Mike Hughes pick. I understood because they needed a cornerback, and Mike Hughes was a a decent college player. Yes. But Lamar Jackson was two picks after that. And if you don't sign Kirk Cousins in March, you were yeah. looking for a quarterback. You probably take Lamar Jackson. I, I, so it, revisionist history. It's a, it's easy to do with drafting and sports. But yes, I just hope the Vikings don't make the mistake of just drafting. And I I I usually trust Rick Spielman at the draft. I know he hasn't hit on the quarterback. I know that's a big glaring black eye in his resume, but typically he's done a very damn good job in these drafts. I'm curious to see what happens, but I'm, I was thankful for Daniel Jeremiah to kind of bring a, a, a different perspective. And especially from a scout and someone who was uh, great. plugged in with that the was week. great stuff. Absolutely.
2: All right. We are done. Uh, Phil will be back with us on a Monday for purple daily. He is Declan Goff. I'm Judd Zolgad. Hope you're having a great weekend.
0: Whether it's Baker's simple truth, Turkey or Mac and cheese with Murray's English cheddar